0: I'm Bill Peschel, and this is Mechanicsburg Mystery Presents A Conversation with Vicki Delaney. Vicki is a longtime best-selling author with more than 40 novels and novellas published, including gothic thrillers, police procedurals, historical fiction, and her latest, Cozy Fiction. She is a past president of Crime Writers of Canada and a member of Capital Crime Writers and Sisters in Crime. She currently has several mystery series in the cozy genre, which I'm really looking forward to getting into. So, Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you
1: very much. and Thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. You've been down to Mechanicsburg. How many times have you been to the store? Do you remember?
1: Five or six, maybe. Um, really, you know, used to go every year in May, and it was one of the highlights. Really, was one of the highlights of my uh, my traveling year. And of course, in April this year, we didn't make it. So I am not too sure if it'll be happening next year. But one can only hope.
0: Absolutely, we'll be welcoming. We'll definitely be looking forward to welcoming you back to the store. <laughs> Um, I saw that you you live in Prince Edward County, which is in Ontario, and it's on Lake Ontario. Is it? It's
1: that's the tips?
0: It's kind of like a uh, uh, it's like a inlet. It's called a littoral, which is like an island that's still connected to <laughs> to
1: Canada. What's it's,
0: it? What's it's actually.
1: Yep, it's um, it's a very rural place. It's um, actually, due north of Ontario, or due north of uh, Rochester. So, if your if your listeners are looking at a map and they'll see a bulge in the lake just north of Rochester. So, it actually used to be a peninsula, but it is now an island because they put a canal through quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite rural. It's um, very. The the largest town is uh, population four thousand. I live just outside of the town. My neighbors are farms. So I look out over um, farms. One of my neighbors has a uh, sunflower farm, which is unbelievably fabulous uh, to have that view in the summertime. Uh, it's a very much a tourist place. People come to these beaches, Sandbanks Provincial Park, um, lots of beaches on Lake Ontario. Um, it's now an up and coming place for wineries and breweries and cideries and that sort of thing. But it can be very, very nice and quiet in the wintertime when the tourists all go home.
0: Mm-hmm. I can understand the weather, the winters can be a bit a bit chilly up there. Is that the case when you're on the lake, like you have a lake effect?
1: No, we're actually much milder than uh, most of the rest of Ontario. Um, there'll be snow, certainly in Ottawa, it's a lot colder than us here. And we tend to, um, it's actually a little bit of a, almost the opposite, a drought area. Even in the summertime, we don't get much rain. The way it's been described to me is if the, the winds come south from the U.S. and divide when they hit the island and, Around either side of the island, so we don't get a whole lot of precipitation
0: here. Mm-hmm. I guess living out in the country, you find quite a bit of time to be able to write. Is that true?
1: Well, that certainly is nice. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, that's yep. So I write. I write a lot. I write, you know, three to four books a year. So I put in a lot of time in it, and I only put time in it that I like. So that's good too.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you always drawn to the mystery and thriller genre? Were you reading them when you were younger?
1: generally speaking yes as as a reader um i've probably certainly since i became an adult i've read mystery and thrillers of all sorts um you know trying to remember what i read when i was a teenager i would have been a lot more mixed um but yeah as an adult mysteries are pretty much not exclusively what i read my it by any means but um i would say that a good portion of my reading is mystery thriller suspense that kind of thing
0: mm-hmm. i was um looking over your list of uh published books Um, And I am really kind of surprised just to see how many you have lately. Um, Usually a writer would be content with one or two series, but it looks like you have currently like five series that you actually are still publishing books in.
1: Well actually probably um we've probably seen the end of the year-round Christmas mysteries. I don't know if anybody can see my book here. This is probably the last one. Uh so as a replacement, I'm starting the new Cat Skills Summer in the Cat Skills series next year. Yeah. So because, it'll still be four on the go. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, we can talk about that one because I just finished reading uh Dying in a Winter Wonderland and I was I was very impressed with it. Um it's just as a um was there an inspiration for that? Was there a town like like Rudolph, New York?
1: It's no, a... actually, there isn't. Um, the original, you know, when you sort of get a germ of an idea and then, and then develop it, the original idea was a character who owns a, um, a Christmas theme store. Of course, there's Christmas theme stores everywhere you go now. Every tourist town in the world seems to have a Christmas theme store. And then I thought, uh, well, it would be more interesting if we could expand it and more opportunities and fun is what i'm looking for too right a lot more fun and i then i hit the on the idea of the town that devotes itself to, uh, completely to Christmas, that wants to be known as your year-round Christmas destination. And setting it in, as, as you know, you live in this area, you know, um, the same sort of area as I do. Um, you know, times are hard for these sort of post-industrial towns in the, in the east. And the small town that is on the lake that lost its, um, you know, its big shipping ports, and they're looking for something to do so, to gener- regenerate the town. So, they hit on this idea of using the town's name of Rudolph to make it a Christmas destination.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, living in Hershey, I can certainly understand how that can come about. Uh, as a matter yeah. of fact, the, we uh, just had Hershey Park in the dark last night, which allowed us to walk around the park and go on some of the rides. And they have a Christmas store inside the park <laughs> that's open all year round. Which yep. makes sense, I guess, if you want to go to Hershey in the summertime, you can come back and buy, you can buy ornaments to bring back for your Christmas tree. Exactly. Yeah. So let's see, that book, uh, that series, that's, you have five books in the series, as I understand. That's right. Um, you seem to have a theme about having women who own stores because your other series, um, your Sherlock Holmes bookshop series, which I have right. here, um, you have uh, a shop run by Gemma Doyle. No right. relation to Arthur Conan, of course, or Conan Doyle. Yep. Um, and it looks like you have six books in that series, including A Curious Incident, which is coming out in January. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: What I also liked about Gemma in particular is that she seems to share some of the traits of Sherlock, which, of course, gets her just in much, as much trouble Um, more so because you expect Sherlock to be brilliant, but you don't expect uh, a store owner to look at you and basically identify you from what you're wearing and what you're you're doing. Well, that's sort of the um,
1: the the appeal of that series to me, and why I enjoy writing it so much. Yeah, she owns the Sherlock Holmes uh, bookshop and emporium. And when I started that series, the original idea was just I was looking for a, um, a character who would own an interesting bookshop. Bookshop a little different. And I'm thinking, well, it could be an angle, and I thought Sherlock Holmes. And right away, as I started writing it, she became the Sherlock type character. And I really enjoy doing that, right? She has that Sherlock Holmes mind, as you say, that she can, you know, analyze everything about a person in a glance. And she can, for good and for bad, she can sometimes be a little bit abrupt with people that are not necessarily following her thought process as quickly as she thinks she ought to do. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of Sherlockians like it because I drop in a lot of references to Sherlock Holmes. You don't have to be a Sherlock Holmes lover to read that series because it's not intended that way. But I drop in a few little sort of what they call Easter eggs, little hidden little things. There are, for example, seventeen steps in the shop between the ground floor and the and the offices <laughs> above. Um, you know, that sort of thing is yeah yeah. So
0: Absolutely. There's there's certainly um, nothing about it that that I felt would be over the heads of people. She even uh, admits to the necessity of it by having her store selling trinkets, books, um, the DVDs of the movies, bus. It's a gift shop, as opposed to just a bookstore involving a Sherlockiana.
1: When I when I first started writing that series, it, the one thing I thought was I wonder if it would how feasible would it be to have a store that's completely dedicated to Sherlock Holmes and I instantly realized very feasible. <laughs> There is so much stuff. And not, you know, not only the book, there's the original books, there's all the new pastiche novels, you know, there's, there's non-fiction about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and speculation about the origins of Sherlock Holmes, plus all the stuff, the DVDs, the making of books, the puzzles, the games, the thimbles, sewing, you know, sewing thimble, you know, and it's endless, absolutely endless
0: setting it in a setting your series in a store certainly allows you to get a bunch of characters coming in because it's sort of like cheers the bar you don't know who's going to be yep. walking in have you had much uh do you have much retail experience none
1: none whatsoever uh you know so the reason you mentioned earlier that the other the year round christmas series is set in the store and that's basically for for two reasons, first of all, what you alluded to, you do have a constant stream of people coming into the store um, who can you know be involved in you know either red herrings, suspects, victims, all that sort of stuff. But the other thing in any kind of any kind of an amateur sleuth book is that the character has to be able to drop everything at a moment's notice and rush, up, rush off detecting mm-hmm. which you can't do if you're working on a downtown office tower and the city work for a bank or something like that right so because they own their own stores and they have an assistant a long-suffering assistant and i you know i mean i quite realized that you couldn't have a very successful small town store if the owner is never there because she's off solving crimes so i do have the assistant complain you know, complains uh, do you ever actually work here and, you know mm-hmm. or I want to raise because I run the whole place all by myself. But so you have a little more leeway when the character at least is a self employed, shall we say? I yes, also that- write a I also write a series set in a library where it's a, you know, this is a person who has a boss and a proper job. So I kind of occasionally will have to have her go and ask. If, because the, the crimes are all related to the library community in some way, the boss is very generous about giving her time to go and investigate.
0: Well, that gives us a, a chance to mention this. This is the Lighthouse Library series. Um, it's uh, you're written under the pen name Eva Gates. Right? That's right. Okay. And it's partner. There it is, good, A Death Long Overdue. It is set at the Outer Banks in North Carolina, which, and you don't know this, but I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I would go out to the Outer Banks.
1: Right, I bet you did. Yeah,
0: yeah. so can you tell us a little more about the, the setup for that series, which is now in uh, eight books, it looks like, including uh, a sequel coming out in May, in fact.
1: That's right. So eight books and I have a contract for two more. So there will be at least 10. Mm -hmm. So this is um, what's, what's interesting about this series is this is an actual building there, the lighthouse in the distance. This is the actual body Island lighthouse located just outside of Nags head. Uh, It is a real place. You can go there. I've been there. You can climb the 217 steps to the top and the view up there is really great. Um, It, as I say, in all the books, it is a real place, but it is not intended to, be uh, accurately represented in my book. It's certainly not big enough to have a library, a staff break room, storage room, offices, a rare books room, two staircases, and an apartment on the fourth floor. But outside of that, outside of the actual building itself, everything is as close as I can make it to reality, um, which is a little, you know, most of, most fiction books that you read, mine and other people are set in fictional places, they're not most, a great many, particularly in a small town, so it's an extra little aspect to this that I have tried to get the geography as right as I can and the descriptions of the town and the surrounding area and the area around the marsh as as I can. Yep.
0: I very much appreciate that because I visited the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse and they actually had to move it in, I remember, years ago because the sea right. was going to take it away. So.
1: And, and I'm very proud that um, the series is sold in the gift shop at the Body Island Lighthouse. Oh, Excellent.
0: Excellent. <laughs> That's, that's wonderful. Well, and uh, as long as we're going, moving on, we can go ahead and talk about you have another series coming out, Tea by the Sea. Can right. you tell us a little bit that's about it. that?
1: Right. I have one right, just happened to have a book right here. This is actually the first book did come out in July. Right. Uh, so It's out already. This is the first one in the series, uh, Tea and Treachery. Um, again, you can tell by the cover, right? This, this is intended to be a very cozy series. And in this care, again, the character owns her own place, but in this case it's a tea room, a traditional afternoon tea room. It is on Cape Cod, a fictional town called North Augusta, Cape Cod. And the character owns this tea room that's on the property of her grandmother's B. And a BB, like a shop, is a great place for setting a cozy mystery because again you have the constant turnover of people you have guests you have people in this case coming to the tea room it it's got nice gardens and people are allowed to tour the gardens so you need in any amateur sleuth book well almost in any mystery you do need in a series you need a fairly good turnover of people so that you do have fresh suspects and victims and and you know witnesses all the time And um, the the origin behind the Tea by the Sea series is my daughter and I really, really love afternoon tea, traditional afternoon tea with all the fancy stuff. And we've traveled to places, um, you know, and and we went to London, we had afternoon tea at the uh, National Portrait Gallery. And we go every year to Niagara-on-the-Lake, Prince of Wales Hotel has a beautiful afternoon tea. So that's actually the inspiration behind that series. And, um, again, you don't have to be a lover of tea, because I don't serve a cup of tea along with the book, but um, everybody, everybody's a lover of food, and particularly sweets, right? So there's lots of uh, scones and cakes and cookies and stuff like that served up in the book.
0: Yes, unfortunately, I've never had the actual English tea. Um, but I understand it is it is absolutely magnificent. Agatha Christie loved to partake of it, uh, including um, Devonshire double cream. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Which yeah. she would I'm drink just... by the pint.
1: <laughs> don't, actually, double don't cream. Did she drink it or put it on your scones? Because that's the thick, thick cream that they put on the top of the scones, along yeah. with a little bit of jam and butter. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. Uh-huh. And So this book does have a couple of recipes in it. Uh, My own recipe for scones, and it is my own recipe. Um, And I think there's
0: a cake recipe too in that book. Great, great. Well, that's right now too, because you have Tea and Treachery there and Murder in a Teacup coming out in July 27th, according to- Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. And then as if you weren't busy enough, you decided to do a historical cozy series set in the Catskills which is right. coming uh, coming out too far it's like august unfortunately but that's plenty of time what 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 are you can, can you tell us about that one
1: that's an interesting story about the, how the way things that work in the publishing business um, cause my original idea was, um, just looking for something, you know, unique and different. Was it, was my original idea was a tea dance in London in the 1920s. A tea dance was very popular between the wars. Um, you would go to a very nice place and everybody would dress up and an afternoon tea would be served and they would have not only dance music for dancing, but dance instructors and professional dance partners for people who wanted to dance. So that was my original pitch. For the series and my agent felt that the tea wasn't a good idea because the publisher of the tea by the sea Mary mysteries might not like the conflict and that was fine so that's okay so then i came up with cocktail dances. so somehow we tossed the idea back and forth and back and forth and then we sat, so then we set on, um, and on also another mention, another option was the tea dances were very popular on Long Island in the 1920s, same as they were in London. So I sort of thought maybe we could do that too. Anyway, it ended up, that went to Berkeley, prime prime, and they said they, so it was pitched as um, cocktail dancing and the Catskills. And they said, we absolutely love it. Drop the cocktails and drop the dancing. We'll take... <laughs> <laughs> so I dropped the cocktails and I dropped the dancing although they still dance and they still drink cocktails in the 1950s and the Catskills, um, which isn't an era, I know, I, mean, you know, I don't tell you, won't tell you my age, but I was around, mm-hmm. but I don't remember anything. So yeah. that's not an era that I know much about the whole social history of. I actually felt I could have done more with the 1920s. However, not to be disabused, I've said about learning about it, so I've been reading lots of stuff about uh, Catskills in the that era when the Catskills were so popular. Um, the, it's set on a one of those big resorts, you know, the equivalent of Grossinger's or the Concord or one of those really famous places. And um, the owner is a, a, a former Broadway dance star, and her daughter is the manager of the hotel. And I said about learning about that whole Catskills culture, which has really been interesting. I'm, you know, I really—that's one of the things that's so nice about writing is to be. It's not something I knew anything about or had any interest in. Um, but then when I started reading up about it, it really is interesting. That whole culture of all those New York people going up to the Catskills in the summer, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so I'm really excited with that. Really enjoying it.
0: Well, I could see that would be interesting from also approaching a, about the entertainers who worked there, because the Catskills was a training ground for comedians <laughs> and singers, and they would go up there and work on their acts, or they would go up there just to work to find That's stress, right. and they were yeah. developing their skills as well. Um, the entertainment industry was actually very interesting as well in that there was a lot of organized crime involvement, uh, particularly in Las Vegas, where they owned a lot of the casinos, and I've listened to a number of interviews from people who have worked there, and there was a book called The Comedians as well that uh, was an oral history of those times. And the, the thing that interested me was that they said if you didn't cross the people who owned the clubs, they loved you, they took care of you. We loved working with them because they loved us, they were fans. They they loved <laughs> Vegas back when the mob owned it, not now when these right. corporations do.
1: <laughs> so, oh, yeah.
0: I could see there's a lot of potential there. There's for, a lot uh, of
1: potential. The, uh, in the first book, um, the, the guy who dies, they found a copy of Gasps, the Communist Manifesto in his room. So the whole Red Scare is on, and the FBI arrives, and everybody's saying, you know, communists, communists. And, uh, you know, so there's so much material you can do if you get an interesting period like that. Oh, yeah.
0: And you have it all to yourself, pretty much. Um, everybody's doing, uh, like, cozies in the 20s right now. I don't know very many set in the 50s. That's
1: right. So maybe it was just as well that they decided they didn't like the 20s. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. Um, how do you keep all these series straight now, if you're working on so many of them? Is, is it all in your head?
1: It's all in my head. I don't, I'm not a very good note taker um in fact I'm a terrible note taker um but that's all in my head but I do make a point of working on one book at a time beginning to end one book and I'll get edits back from you know from the publisher about a certain book and I'll have to put whatever I'm working at aside and do that so there is some crossover but in terms of actually writing the book beginning to end one before I even think about the other the books are fairly similar in you know, they have some similarities in tone, but the characters in the books are very, very different. Mm-hmm. They're all cozy characters, but they're all very different. And I do think, and I do have to keep their personalities straight in my head, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, since you're involved with uh, Crime Writers of Canada, I wanted to know, can you recommend any other Canadian crime writers for, uh, <laughs> for our viewers to check out?
1: I, certainly, first of all, if people are interested in looking at what's happening in Canadian crime, Crime Writers of Canada has a website and they're the you know the best place to start. But I can make a couple of specific suggestions. My very good friend Barbara Franken uh, has a new book coming out. Uh, it was scheduled to come out in January and we've just found out it's already in the stores. So good news that they were able to get it printed out and shipped um, for the before Christmas season. So her name is Barbara Franken and the book is titled "The Ancient Dead. It's part of her Amanda duchette series. and this one, I believe is set in Alberta um and as i said brand new hot off the presses it's even prior to release date and it's already out Mm -hmm. another thing i can recommend is i um did an interview last week week or two ago i did a zoom interview with maureen Jennings, who most of your readers will know who has a new series that's out not a murdoch series this one is set in toronto in the 1930s and the second book, in that series has just come out, it's called November Rain, and the first is called Heat Wave. Toronto in the late 1930s, interesting time, right, that the, the war is, you know, things are heating up in Europe, it's the Great Depression. The book deals fairly extensively with sort of returning World War I vets who are having certain degrees of what we would now call PTSD. So really interesting time, highly recommend that. And for my cozy, uh, for your and our cozy uh, listeners out there, Essie Lang has a new book coming out in March, which I don't often, I don't know the name, but it's part of her, um, her series set in, um, in a castle in the Thousand Islands and uh, comes out in March. So that's something that people should be looking for.
0: And of course, I would also ask our listeners to check out VickyDelaney.com to see what is <laughs> up with yours, your books. Um, Please do. Yes. And of course, the Mechanicsburg Mystery Bookshop has plenty of your books for sale as well. So be sure to get great. in touch with the bookstore and see what they have on offer. That would be well, great. Great. Uh, Vicki, thank you so much. Um, we'll just go ahead and say goodbye and say this is, uh, I'm Bill Peschel for Mechanicsburg Mystery Bookshop. And this
1: has been a conversation with Vicki Delaney. And I thank you very much for inviting me and say hi to everybody in Mechanicsburg. And I do hope to get down to see you there soon.
0: Absolutely. If not for a visit, then maybe for um, uh, Murder As You Like It as well. That's where I got my copy of Elementary She Read. Great. Great. Thank you very much.
1: Great. Thanks so much then. Bye.
0: The Mechanicsburg Mystery Presents podcast is sponsored by the Mechanicsburg Mystery Bookshop in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. During the Wuhan flu outbreak, the store is open with limited hours, plus we accept appointments and offer a drive-by service. The store will also ship books to your home, including those from the Special Press Mystery Line, including our annotated editions of novels by Agatha Christie and Dorothy L. Sayers. To learn more, visit the store at www.mysterybooksonline.com. And thank you for listening.